Yo, welcome to Voice Acting Up, a podcast for working voice actors who are working their way up. I'm Sean Rohani, and today I chat with incredible voice and on-camera actor and editor and the voice of Ash freaking Ketchum from Pokemon, Sarah Natacheni. More important than any of that, Sarah is a very thoughtful and great all-around human being. She's kind, she's funny, and very easy to talk to and just be two real humans trying to figure out this life thing. Also, the streets of New York and Sarah's cat Pikachu will make the occasional appearance, and it's the best. The first question that I usually ask is, what is the very first paid voice acting gig you got? And what are some of your favorites or like really fun gigs that you've done since? Okay, I'm improvising all of this. I didn't prepare for this interview one bit. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> I think my first voiceover gig was like a medical industrial narration thing. Mm-hmm. I don't remember anything about it. I remember it being very boring. And it was the first thing, it was the only thing I did before I got Pokemon as a, as a voice actor. I had studied oh, wow. acting. I didn't come out of nowhere. I studied right. acting for four years and, you know, I had done a couple of short films on camera, but I'd never done any other voice acting. Mm-hmm. So that was my first. Yeah. Well, how did that come about? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So I had, I had a manager and he would get me exclusively pretty much voiceover auditions, I think. Huh. That's what I remember. There were they were far and few between, and uh, one of them happened to be Pokemon, and that's how I got both of those jobs. And those are the only two jobs he ever got me. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Well, I mean, that's a pretty good batting average. Obviously, I'm sure you auditioned for other things at the time, but like after get, uh, yeah. when when I when I got with my agency, then they were like, "Oh, welcome," and they started sending me out like normal. I see. Got yeah. it. Wow. Well, so would you still put? Obviously, you've done a bunch of stuff, but you you're. I'm sure most known for um, being the voice of Ash Ketchum in Pokemon, along with a bunch of other voices uh, in that world. But mm-hmm. would that be your sort of most memorable choice? Or are there even some that you've done that might not be as well known, but you're like, wow, that was a really cool, cool gig. Or I had a fun time. Yeah. With that. Oh, totally. So Pokemon, yes, you're absolutely right in everything you said. Um, uh, the most recent podcast I did actually uh, with Gabare Sidibe is called If I Go Missing, The Witches Did It. It was it was done with Realm, and it was like number one fiction podcast for a long time in Apple on uh, Apple Podcasts. Mm-hmm. And I got to play a, a very problematic white woman <laughs> <laughs> who's just basically like, so many Black women go missing, and that's just kind of who she is. And mm. she's just really, she, she's there to help. She has so much white guilt, and all right. Really just wants to compensate for it. And I really loved delving into that character and <laughs> getting to hot mess. Yeah. Yeah. And then hearing what Gabourey did and how we blended together, it was it, it was just great. So mm. that's my most that's that's my favorite material. Um my most memorable job was with Kevin Bacon. I got to work with Kevin Bacon um, <laughs> on a, awesome. one of your guys' Spotify podcast called uh, The Last Degree of Kevin Bacon, mm-hmm. uh, directed by Josh Rubin, who's a brilliant film director and actor. And um, it starred so many amazing people Matt Walsh and Kira Sedgwick. And uh, mm. oh, goodness, this was like, this was pre pandemic. So who remembers? <laughs> um, Alyssa in Paris was in that. It was it was just an amazing cast and it was really funny. And I got to play like 10 characters. Oh, so wow. <laughs> yeah, it was 
pretty awesome. And I got to hang out with these people and, and Kevin Bacon, like we sat at the table together and he's like, yeah, I hear you're on, you're on Pokemon. That's kind of, that's, that's pretty huge. And I'm like, oh, hi, really, thank you so much. <laughs> that <is so> kind. <laughs> that's awesome. And now you can officially have one degree of separation from Kevin Bacon. <laughs> that's cool. Well, so yeah, that's amazing. And and I'm sure I, this will happen a lot throughout the interview, but like I will have a million follow up questions. But before I get into more work stuff, like I like to get into sort of the origin story, the, the beginnings of my guests. So where did you grow up and when did performance start playing a role okay. in your life? I grew up in Forest Hills, Queens in New York City. Uh, and uh, my parents are musicians. So I have come from a family of artists. Oh. And uh, I was a rhythmic gymnast. I started playing piano when I was really young. I had perfect pitch that's like disintegrated over time, which is kind of the saddest thing in my life, honestly. Oh man. Because it was I, such a cool thing. I could live, my dad would play a chord of 10 notes and I could not only sing each one, but I could tell you which ones they were. It was nuts. Wow. I was, I was, I was meant to be a prodigy and then something happened. <laughs> <laughs> when did you um, notice that, that it started to wither? Like. I don't know, because yeah. I, I I stopped playing piano. I was not, I didn't have the discipline for it, and I hated it, and I was just like, I'm tired, I can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> so they gave up on it, and I got into rhythmic gymnastics, and I didn't do any singing or music during those years, and I did that for like eight years, and and then I guess I, I was like, I want I wish I played the, yeah, I, I, I was like, I wish I could play the piano. That's what happened. Like during high school, I was like, this is really sad that I stopped and I would watch my dad playing at home mm. and he's so brilliant. And I'm like, why don't I know how to do this? So I started teaching myself piano a little bit. Nice. Um, and there were still some pieces that I can play, which is great, but <laughs> that kind of, it never came back. And I, I remember getting an app to try to train myself. And I'm like, what do you mean? What do you have? Ah, they don't use it. You lose it, bro. Like, that's what it is. Yeah. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm sure you're still like, I, I've heard you in things singing and you can, it's not like your voice is broken now. Like you can sing fine, but you're just not yeah. at that pitch perfect level that, that you were, that so few are in the world. Yeah, no, I'm not a genius. I was a baby genius and now I'm <laughs> a normal genius. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting though. Like I, I was kind of the same, not that I mean, my parents didn't play instruments, but like I had some friends who were really good at piano and I was never pressured to learn it as a kid, but like many things as a kid, it's the discipline that you're like, ah, no, I just want to play outside. And then when you're older here and you hear people be amazing at that, it's like, all right, maybe I should have done that because <laughs> it's right. really, yeah, I definitely envy that ambidextrous sort of thing that piano players have or yeah. pianists, I believe they're called. Um, pianists. I say pianist. Mm -hmm. I don't really, there is an A. There is an A. There is an A. I, I do a subtle A. I've heard some people straight up say penis, and I'm like, that's not, that's come not on. Right. No, we, let's let's say the letters. Pianist. Yes. I'm going to go with that yeah. from now on. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, you picked up playing the piano later on on your own, but was there a shift from music to like, you know, theater and acting and stuff at some point, or when did that yes. start happening? Uh, so I was a rhythmic gymnast. I wasn't very good at it. And then over time, I got really good at it, kind of like Ash Ketchum. <laughs> uh, and I went to the Junior Olympics. I won a bronze medal. And I told my mom, that's it. I proved I can do this. I'm out. I'm done. Next. What's next? And every bit of me wanted to. I was 12 or 13 when I quit. 
every bit of me wanted to like play video games and hang out with my friends and have play dates and sleepovers and all this kind of stuff. And my mom was like, you know, <laughs> it's not gonna happen. Mm-hmm. So I remember her being in the kitchen on the phone, on like on a on a, fo- a real phone with a cord. What? And she like put it behind her ear and she's like, do you want to go to acting school? And immediately I was like, oh my God, yes, this sounds so funny. Are you kidding? Yeah, I, I, I wanted to be anything but myself. That's, that was, I, I, I had low self-esteem. I was always like, how can I express myself in, in a way that has nothing to do with who I am? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I went to acting school. I went to Lee Strasberg. I did the Young Actors Program. I was there for four years. Pikachu, psh, so sorry. He's eating, he's eating these reeds that I have. Pikachu, psh, psh, psh. <laughs> I mean, he's not responding. I'm going to chuck this not at him. I'm not going to throw it at him, but I'm going to throw it and it's going to, yeah, look at that. Oh, that. What what species is Pikachu? What species? Yeah. <laughs> Which genus are you? Huh? Uh, he's a cat, a feline domesticus, and he's a very big boy, and we love him very much. It's you. You're so beautiful. I love you. You're a good boy. He's good now. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, so I went to acting school. I, <laughs> I went to acting school. We did we did sense memory. We did meditation for three hours every wow. time. And I loved it. I loved the I loved being able to feel hot when I'm cold. I was like, you can trick your mind into doing all these things. And what a powerful, what a powerful thing. And and hmm. and we did plays. And I remember I once brought a real, a real like ancient kind of knife in. And they were like, no, you can't do that. So I learned all the mistakes that actors make like in auditions later on where they bring in a real weapon. Right. <laughs> I learned that real young. Um, and then I started doing improv. I, When I was 16, I was at Actors Connection auditioning for agents and casting directors and getting myself known. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. And uh, I, I, ran, I met this guy who was doing ECB and he's like, you're funny. I was like, I'm trying to hide myself. And he said, you should do UCB. That's what everyone does there. Mm-hmm. So I did. And I did that for like four years. That's awesome. I, yeah, we will definitely talk at least for the next two hours about UCB. This is going to be a, oh, a wow. marathon of a chat. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> no, um, not, my not good that long. You see <laughs> but, but, well, I'm curious, you know, you said your mom had that phone call and then turned to you and said, are you interested in acting? Who was this mystery person that contacted her? Like, was she seeking out acting teachers for you? Or do you know? Should we call her? I have no idea. I mean, that changed your whole life kind of in a way. And it was it was from an unknown caller, it sounds like. That's so true. <laughs> Is Sean really? Uh, now I have to know. <laughs> I know. Now we have to figure out who this was. Um, what if it was like Al Pacino or something? Could it? <laughs> It could have been my friend Marina's mom because Marina went with me. We, we did it okay. together. It was me and Marina, the nice. two of us, the pair. <laughs> <laughs> and were you like, were you super nervous in the beginning, or were you just excited to be something else? No, I was excited to be something else. Oh, I just wanted to be something else as quickly as possible. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> That's because I definitely had that notion too, but I, it took a while for me to do like official performing, like other than joking around with friends and stuff. But like. I, I definitely share the sentiment of like wanting to get lost in other characters, but like I had major stage fright and like was shy to when it was just my body. Like that's one of the things that made me gravitate towards voice acting was like, oh, I have this channel of the page to like 
put my yes. creativity. It's like casting a spell versus being the, you know, the wizard himself. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm like, I could do the casting, but I don't want, you know, to be in this cape and, and Merlin's giant hat, you know, that made me feel awkward. Oh, wow. <laughs> but, um, but so interesting. So like UCB, you, I was, uh, I went from 101 to 401 and did like advanced okay. placement a little bit and stuff, but I did in LA. So you did it all in New York, huh? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. I was 16 when I started. That is wow. too young for anybody listening. 16 is too young to go and be at UCB unless you are very mature and very certain of who you are and kind of who you want. To, uh, this is a very useless thing to say because all teenagers think they know who they are. Right. Um, but <laughs> It, it, I was too young to be there mm-hmm. personally. I was too young for everything that happened to me. It's, yeah, uh, that's the fact. I was huh. too young for everything that happened to me. Oh that's, God, I'm gonna cry again. <laughs> no, no, that's such a like powerful uh, realization to have. I don't know if, let's see, I was for some things and mm-hmm. I feel like I was too old for some things. Like, like, I don't know. I'm guessing we're about the same age. How old are you? I turned 34 in next oh. week. A Monday, no, Tuesday. You're turning. Oh, yeah, I'm turning? turning 34. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I just turned 34. Oh, really? We're the same okay. age. Yeah, yeah we're almost exactly the same age. But you were like a child genius and wise beyond your years. And <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> Had I been wise beyond my years, things wouldn't have turned out kind of the way they did. Mm. I mean, that's, yeah. It's, you know, you said it earlier about bringing the, that old weapon as a kid to a performance. Like, I've definitely made plenty of growing pain mistakes that I'd like to think now I wouldn't make but like just the fact that I made them as I went along I have to think that it'll probably continue to happen it's not like I know yeah how to act the rest of my life so it's just sort of bracing for that impact I guess and uh I guess if you expect it to happen at some point maybe that softens the blow of it when it does happen who knows sure Uh, when you make like that terrible mistake on set when you don't understand the hierarchy or you uh yeah mm-hmm. yeah. yeah when you bring a weapon yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man no after i brought that weapon i i definitely was very conscious of mistakes that you could make as an actor you know like things that really freak people out you weirdo yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and i studied those so i don't think i i think i'm saying the thing you really need as an actor is confidence right you need to be free of all of these insecurities so that you could just go to set and do your job or go to the theater and just do your do what you're meant to do yeah. and not come with any of this baggage or any of these, you know, external insecurities, not, not insecurities about your performance necessarily that you can, that you should fix. Um, but insecurities like, oh, I'm going to say the wrong thing or I'm going to, mm, was that his lunch? Oh, I shouldn't touch it. You, you know, like, right. that's, yeah. like oh. silly mistakes you, you make as, as a green actor. Mm-hmm. that sort yeah. of thing um, i've definitely made many of those mistakes just as a green yeah. human really um, <laughs> acting but so was that like uh because you're spot on about confidence and it's like some people are able to fake it till they make it some people need to like just prepare the crap out of something so that they'll remember it you know especially if they're memorizing lines or whatever so right. so they can't be phased by anything whatever obstacles thrown your way some yeah. people need both but like were you Back when you were improvising and stuff, were you able to find a way to be more confident? Definitely. When you have great scenes, and I had great scenes, you gain confidence because you know that you're capable. Yeah. However, my scenes weren't always great. And sometimes my mind was, I, mean, I was just distracted or I wasn't, 
I, I, I found that I really needed to be in a certain zone. I wish I could be more specific about this, but mm-hmm. I had to be in a certain frame of mind to be funny. Right. Like sometimes I just wasn't funny. Sometimes I was sad yeah. and not having a good day and I couldn't get out of that. And not in, not in terms of acting, in terms of making stuff up. Uh, like I wasn't right. saying the funny thing. I could be funny, like a, I could be wacky. I could, I could be, you know, I could be funny. I had a funny disposition, but I wasn't saying funny things and I wasn't progressing scenes. I wasn't paying attention. I was right. And other improvisers who were really, really great, you know, Ben Schwartz and all these kinds, all these people that kind of came up a little earlier than me, but I was, I was friendly with them and I was watching them and I was like, wow, damn, you are so good at this. Gil Ozeri, like there were some great people. Yeah. They, I, I don't know what they would say. I should listen to interviews of them talking about this kind of stuff, but they see anytime I saw them, they were always hilarious. They were always paying attention. They would always remember what happened 20 minutes ago on stage and bring it back beautifully, tie it together. And that was so mesmerizing to me. Yeah. How, how did they do that? <laughs> oh, how did they throw out their day and be able to not only be hilarious as performers, but hilarious as writers on the spot. This mm-hmm. is such a talent. It's so cool. Yeah. 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 Especially in like an organized, not that all the shows were like this, but like in a Herald or something where right. you have to have like three different scenes that sort of mm-hmm. heighten and also group scenes. And like, it's so much math for your brain to figure out, you know, on the spot. But yeah, that's crazy. I mean, you came up, I feel like, not at the prime of improv because they're still churning out a ton of amazing improvisers, but like at the explosion, I want to say of UCB, yeah, the transition from like this little thing that, you know, the founders were kind of teaching occasionally to like, now it's like a corporation almost, you know? Oh yeah. Well now it's no, now it's kind of no longer, I don't know the latest news, but they haven't reestablished a presence here in new york at least so. yeah that's and yeah. well pre-covid yeah but COVID. pre-covid uh, huge huge yeah. i got to be on that stage oh we're gonna talk about that yeah oh my gosh well before we i mean we will definitely talk about that but uh, you were saying like what was it about ben schwartz and some of these other improvisers that they could figure it out and this isn't the answer to that question but i heard him say in an interview that he was just inhaling improv 24 7 in classes performing constantly and he felt like stuck and eventually he had a teacher tell him well what do you do and he's like well i take all these classes i'm I'm, you know i'm constantly learning more improv it's my life and his teacher's like you need to actually live life too that's that's where you sort of get your material and your brain to sort of churn the right gears for improv is to have life experiences that you can sort of subconsciously pull from and everything so that's different from like how do I get in the right mind space? You know, but it was still an interesting point. Yeah. What's interesting is that I was actually living, I was living life at that time. Mm-hmm. Or maybe, well, I was in high school. I was living yeah, life. Right. I was in high school. I was doing high school and then I was like doing a ballet class and then I was going to improv and then I was like sitting at the bar underage. Uh, <laughs> That I had a life. I was out till four in the morning. Like, and my parents didn't care. Well, oh, I moved out. I moved out of my parents' home. I was still in high school when I did that. Oh wow! Yeah, I'm such a rebel. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I moved out when I was halfway through my senior year, and that I wasn't a party girl. I wasn't getting drunk and doing all that. But I was sitting 
hanging out with improvisers till like four in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then I go to school the next day. I was mostly doing it, I guess, on weekends because I'm a girl who needs her sleep. But yeah. <laughs> but you know, yeah. that's a, well, I mean, you were definitely living life. But like you said, you started doing improv at 16. Like I would, I mean, I started in my mid 20s, I think, mid to mm -hmm. late 20s. And nice. I'd be in workshops and stuff where like, like I did pretty well i'd have some really great scenes and then hit or miss you know some just fell flat but there would be people who like the way they improv was so intellectually superior you know it's like i and i felt that as like in my late 20s so like as a 16 year old if you're improvising with people who were like married or you know lost significant others or went through like hardcore stuff like it's hard to really be on the same level you know I mean, my, my life at that point hadn't been without its tragedies. So sure, I, had, sure. I, I had a lot of negativity to pull from. Maybe too much, actually. Yeah. Um, Pikachu, you need not to do that. Sorry. Um, you should keep all of this Pikachu stuff in there. <laughs> this is so who I am. Uh, when you're 16, when I'm, I can't speak for the 16s. Uh, when I was 16, I thought I knew everything. I thought I was the coolest person in that room. Mm -hmm. I was mistaken in thinking that I needed to have that energy to mm. succeed as an improviser. Mm. And I see that now. And I it see. sucks. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people knew me back then and I'm sure they hated me. But I'm yeah. still friends with I'm still friends with a good number of them and uh, they like me just fine. And I and I've apologized and they're like, what are you talking about? But I still feel that way. I still feel I still remember kind of the obnoxious kind of like, I'm here, <laughs> like that girl. <laughs> was there you know yeah. i was overcompensating i maybe everybody just expected it because i was a teenager I don't, but then you look at other teenagers who were like in movies and stuff and they're so well adjusted and they're so nice and, and they red carpets and they speak so eloquently and nice girls yeah it's they're different nice. i don't know i mean yeah it's a but that's definitely a rarity though like the more the yeah. majority of people for sure at 16 like are you kidding me i was playing super smash brothers for the duration of my 20s basically um, and yeah. uh it's funny you mentioned that though like like you said uh, i i've done the same thing i the last time i was in new york actually my one of my friends moved to brooklyn and i apologized to him about something from like seven years earlier and he was like what <laughs> like what? What remember, yeah i this did not take up an ounce of my thoughts this whole thing you know like but in my head i was blowing it up to be something so big and you know yeah it's tricky yeah, just yesterday i apologized to an old friend of mine for making fun of her last name i remember i remember the day i did it i remember how she looked at me when when i did it mm -hmm. and and how our friendship was kind of less strong after i did we were really close and like after i did that i don't know why i did that i was very young we were in like elementary school yeah. i made fun of her name and and i apologized to her now 20 years later Mm -hmm. and she's like oh honey everybody made fun of my name it's like it doesn't I, the cumulative effect i still feel bad for taking any part in that right right but pikachu you need to stop pooping i'm doing an interview <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, i'm definitely keeping yeah. that <laughs> um but you know that part of that is just as a kid like you said you just don't you're still a sponge and you don't know what things are appropriate what aren't and um mm -hmm. 
you know, as you grow older, you start to figure some of that out. And sometimes you overcorrect to the point where you lose some of the creativity and the play that you might have as a kid. But like that definitely, I'm sure I did that too. Like a couple of times where like in my mind, I would just think, oh, people are laughing about this thing. I want to get a laugh. Maybe I'll say something similar. And like later on, you realize, well, that thing might have hurt somebody. So, right. that, you know, um, yeah. yeah, you wish you could just know that from the beginning. But yeah, yeah. right. But yeah, anyway, speaking of uh, UCB, like uh, you obviously took a bunch of courses there. First of all, did you before the thing I'm definitely going to ask you about, did you also like were you part of an improv troupe and did you perform and stuff um, outside of class? Yeah. What was it? What were you guys called? We had there was Sweet Tooth, which was a musical improv group. That was one of those. (laughs) Um, we were good. We were good. We were put together by Eliza Skinner. She was like, you, 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 and you, you guys should all do a group together. And this was very expensive at the time. And, and a bunch of us couldn't afford to keep paying for the space and the pianist. We had a wonderful pianist, Frank Smith-Nagel, and he was a genius. He's still, he's still around. He's still doing it. Yeah. Um, so that was one. Oh dear. There were, there were others. There were, there were, a oh, reality TV live. And the structure was like, are we, we got like a suggestion from the audience of reality TV, like a type of reality TV or something? I don't know. This was like at the dawn of reality TV. Mm-hmm. So no this was performing at UCB as well? Or were you going to like- uh, No, we were okay. all over the place. We were at Magnet. We, well, we uh, oh, I'll take credit for this. Let's mint this right now. I, my group was, we started the, um, the Triple Crown Basement we were the ones who went to the Triple Crown, which is a bar in New York City, and we asked them if we could do our practice sessions in the basement, and they said yes. And then it became a venue. It's not really a venue, but it's uh, it's a place where they do shows now. I think I, think. I could be lying about that. Cool. <laughs> oh my God! Such a bold announcement. <laughs> oh, what a back step! Wow, that was almost more impressive. I don't know if they're doing shows. I think sure. they're doing shows. I think I heard that they were. Who knows? This was all in the before times, man. I, <laughs> right. I'm just getting back. <laughs> oh man, but that's cool. It's cool that you guys had a specific structure. Like I, I yeah. performed with a troupe that we we didn't have any specific structure. We just mm-hmm. you know take a suggestion and go and had some yeah. really fun shows. Um. But speaking of shows, mm-hmm. ASCAT, which might be confusing to listeners, me abruptly saying that word, but that is a huge show at UCB that involves a mono- monologist? Monologist? Monologist. I don't know English. Yeah. Mon- Mon- monologist <laughs> who says stories. And then basically that inspires the games that the improvisers come up with. So you were a monologist. Yes. Um, how did that come about? How did it come about? So ASCAT is one of my proudest moments. Um, Patrick Cote Noir is was the was the booker for the show. And he, I think it was random. I don't think I, I didn't know him before. He randomly, I remember getting the email. I was in LA with my family and I get this email randomly from Patrick. And he's like, hey, big fan, would love to have you on the show. And I'm like, what me? <laughs> and there the next thing I know, I'm on the stage at UCB as like a guest monologist on ASCAT. Do you remember? And after after being like a teenager in the space and worshiping all these people and yeah, people on stage were people that had been there at you know fifteen years ago. It was so cool. That's awesome. Cool. Oh my gosh! It was really I, cathartic because like, I told a story that I told a story that I really wanted that I really needed to tell, and I really mm-hmm. wanted to just like see them rip this whole story apart and 
<laughs> make it funny make it funny. i told this like kind of sad story that has funny elements obviously but it was it was it was a not a great moment in my life and mm-hmm. and they just like took all these wonderful bits and pieces and it was great i wish i had a video of it honestly <laughs> oh my god it. yeah that'd be so amazing to see because i i mean there i've been to some really great shows out in la but there's something first of all listeners probably know at this point like as while i am a california kid like i New York is the one place that I've never lived that every time I leave it, I get really homesick. I just love it so much. And UCB, I mean, it's synonymous with New York kind of. Um, and the shows there, like it must be. I caught my first New York UCB show the last time I was in New York in 2019. Mm-hmm. And oh, man, I yeah, yeah, I just got sidetracked by my love for New York. Okay. But it's it's real. Um, oh, I hear. Actually, I'm lucky enough. So the old UCB theater, not the one that you went to in 2019 on 26th that theater is now called asylum and my friends are doing a show there and they they invited me to be a guest it's called new york is phenomenal i think it's tomorrow i think oh no no no, sorry it's next week it's next week i'm doing another show on sunday i'm doing i'm doing uh the roast of your teenage self with elise morales i'm really excited about that (laughs) that sounds cool yeah like i actually went to facebook to ask people like hey anybody remember anything about me from high school crickets nobody remembers anything about i thought i was i thought i was amazing in high school and nobody remembers anything nobody nobody oh man i did you know my thing was when i uh like in classes or around friends i would just be a a lunatic just to get laughs and and crack jokes and stuff and like i was a troublemaker in classes you know all for the sake of laughter but like like i remember my I was in a Spanish class. I was one year ahead. So I was stuck with everybody a year ahead of me and I knew nobody. And I was super shy and quiet then. And then like later on, one of the classmates saw me in lunch, hanging out with my friends, being a lunatic. And he was like, what, who are you? (laughs) What is this version of you? So that was me, but you thought you were the the main event in high school. Is that right? Yeah, Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. I was asked to be I was I was offered the role. I was asked to be in the school musical. I was asked to be the lead in Guys and Dolls. Mm. Yeah, one does not audition when one is next. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, the kind of, that's the kind of gal I was. And it was a rude awakening, like entering the real world from I, I went to a technical school. I didn't go. I, I got I got into LaGuardia. But I also got into Brooklyn Tech and my parents didn't let me go to LaGuardia. They were like, you need to get a, a, an academic education. Mm-hmm. And you can do acting on the side and blah, blah. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I, I was in the chorus and I'm not a brilliant singer, but at a technical school, I was a star. <laughs> That's cool. Um, there are some amazing, actually one of our, one of my uh, chorus companions, she, she just sang at the Metropolitan Opera House. So. Oh, nice. I wasn't the best one, but I was among them. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, so you ended up performing in high school, but did you know after high school that you wanted to pursue performing? Like that's your life. Hundred percent. I had no doubt in my mind because there were so many things that I I entertained. I went to a technical high school. I studied uh, technology and liberal arts, the least technical thing you could possibly study. Uh, I was not an engineer. I wasn't going to be an architect. I was interested in architecture, but I didn't go that route. My math not good. Mm. Um, and I wasn't great at drawing. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't really my thing. So I did kind of the generic technology and liberal arts and did a bunch of AP classes, AP government and AP uh, world history and, and maybe English. I don't remember Spanish. Yeah, I studied languages. That was my thing. 
Nice. I wanted to be so many different things. And then I would study them and be like, this is boring. <laughs> I do that for 10, 15 uh, rest of my life. That's not mm-hmm. who I am. It's not what I want to do. Um, and I had a knack for performing. I loved it so much. I loved being other people. I was I had a lot of fun in acting school. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents would check in with my acting teachers, be like, is she any good at this? Is this something she should uh, be pursuing? And Mm-hmm. And of course they said yes. I don't know. This is the <laughs> thing. I've always, I've always been very suspicious of anybody who says I'm good, because my parents were always suspicious. They're like, "But is she really? Is she? Is she any good? Like, come on." That's interesting. I'm kind of. I don't know if you're the same way, but like, I'll feel like, I, I feel like I, I can second guess or be suspicious of any praise that I get, mm-hmm. but I still want praise. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I, my reaction is like. Like, I feel like I, I, I handle, you know, praise so awkwardly because like I, I want to be thankful, but I don't want to I, I want to be humble. I don't want to, you know, come mm-hmm. off as like, oh, yeah, I know I'm good or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I, I just come out with a mush of nonsense anytime I, I, I'm complimented for anything. But um, but yeah. So th- and the other thing is for me, kind of like you were saying earlier about like being in the right mind space, like. I have been very confident and like can be charming or whatever sometimes. And then I've been super introverted and just like want to be alone and, and kind of, you know, not in the best mind space sometimes. And the frustration for me was I had no control over that kind of, you know, like I wish you can just summon the confidence when you're whatever going in for an interview or doing an audition or whatever. And it would just kind of be random. Um, That's that's my issue too. Sometimes I feel great and ready to go. And then other times I, 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 there have been times that I've just been like downright nervous and kind of panicky. And thankfully I've discovered exercises like breathing exercises mostly that I can do to quell that. But then I still know that just happened. <laughs> right. It's I'm kind not of, in a good place and yeah. It's an ongoing kind of battle. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was just going to ask, I mean, you mentioned the breathing exercises. Are there, other things that you've tried to do that you found helpful or sort of soften the blow? Care less, care less. This nothing I'm doing, nothing I could possibly do is going to make or break me. It's not the end of my career. It's this isn't, mm-hmm. this isn't going to get me fired. Like, unless you do something horrible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but any, anytime you go into an audition or record or, or on set, which I haven't done in a million years, but I'm about to actually. Um, none of this, you're, you're doing this because you love it and because you're good at it. Mm-hmm. The people want you there. You're gonna contribute to a product that you believe in. And you, that's, that's kind of what I put in my head. If I'm in a bad space, I'm like, you're doing what you love. You get to do, you get to go and play. You don't have to sit at a desk, which is for some people very good, not for me. I don't want to do that I never wanted to do that you don't have to be inside you're gonna you're gonna go out you're gonna rush to that audition like what your life is exciting so sometimes I have to remind myself that like the life I designed for myself though it may be really difficult at times and unfair and full of rejection and Mm -hmm. that is all okay I don't Mm -hmm. care like you shouldn't care just care about the things that are good and that are happening in the moment that need your attention (laughs) Right. Sometimes those things are really bad and they need not, they need not to exist. But mm-hmm. that's just, that's again, that's like part of, it's part of, you know, it's part of being an well, actor, public figure, yeah. whatever, whatever you are. Yeah. It's right. 
Well, one of the things that kind of has helped me too is, and it's hard, like when you're in the moment, when you're like struggling with something, but just the fact that you've gone through it in the past and not too far afterwards, we're feeling totally happy and in a great mood is like, it's sort of, you can realize that, okay. And this, this moment is trivial. It's, it's not permanent, you know, so that, that can help me sometimes, but but, you know, like one of the things that I realized I loved about acting was because I came to that same thing that you were talking about of like, well, this is boring to do for five, 10 years, any job, no matter how interested you are in it. But with acting, you're getting, you know, glimpses, glimpses yeah, of, of so many different lives. And that's the thing that really excites me. Like, I don't yeah. do a lot of live action stuff, but I did this thing where I was playing like a firefighter and I, I got to work with actual firefighters and like learned so much about that life that oh, cool. I've totally forgotten now, but it was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that's, um, so, that's what I'm talking about. Like, yeah. I didn't want to be any of these things permanently. I wanted to be a lawyer for like two months. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I don't want to do I don't want to actually read the book. But yeah. I want to learn about whatever the show is about and, you know, be lawyerly and, you know, I know yeah. a lot of lawyers. I got friends. I went to a technical high school. It's a huge school. A thousand people in the graduating class. Like, I know I know a little bit of everything, a little bit of everybody, and I want to play these yeah. roles. I, yeah. I know these people. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, fun. acting is just great for people who love to learn. Like you were talking about with languages, with jobs with skills whatever it's the more you learn the better you can become but um so i you know what i i might want to be a pokemon trainer for the rest of my life like that's it that was a real thing all those other jobs (laughs) that was part one with sarah natocheni again really thoughtful kind and talented person with really helpful tips like tip number one i've said it before and i'll say it again Do whatever you can to approach your work with confidence. Whether it's through training or learning set or booth etiquette, gaining the confidence to recognize that you shouldn't feel like a fish out of water and you deserve to be there will make all the difference in your work. Two, more of a life lesson, but while it's okay and natural to feel negative emotions from time to time, don't let your guilt, regret, or other negative thoughts snowball into a giant space in your mind. It can stifle your personal growth and make you feel like that harmless faux pas is the end of the world as you know it. And three, on a related note, remind yourself that you're doing what you love. There will be aspects of this career that can bring you down, whether it's rejection or gigs being canceled or just not working as much as you'd like. But remind yourself that you get to play and do what you love on a daily basis and let that be the driving force behind your efforts. And on that note, may all you voice actors keep acting up.